Welcome to Military Network Radio, where we'll bring dynamic interviews and fresh information about topics affecting your quality of life at each stage of your military service. Join us each week for information of value that improves your outlook, actions, and encourages each member of the family. Serving the military, their families, and those who care about them. Everyone serves, and together we make a difference. And now, here's your host, Linda Crater. Good morning and welcome to Military Network Radio. We're very glad that you have joined us today. We never have a boring moment. And today we're going to be talking about a very difficult topic for many people to talk about in the military, family-wise, or as a veteran or active duty service member. And I'm joined today by Tosambra Kimes, and I am so pleased. Ty, we have talked about this topic multiple times, and we've also had a show on our topic, and I'm not going to hold you in suspense any further. We're going to be talking about intimacy after war, making love after making war. Thanks, yes. Good yeah, morning, I mean, Linda. And, and you're right. It is, it is such an interesting topic. And, you know, I remember being on the show, and that's when I first kind of, you know, <laughs> heard about it. And, you know, having experienced, you know, my husband went to war. And then I like to share it first. He came back a monster, you know, and it was it was scary and it was challenging. And and we all focus on, you know, those those real issues, the PTSD, the, the all the real medical issues. But then the intimacy is something that's really important, but we fail to discuss it. And so, you know, I was really happy that, you know, that there are people out there who see it as a need and want to bring it to the forefront. So... I I love that you use the word need because I think sometimes with what you just explained, the, it becomes intimacy becomes a nice to have instead of a need to have. Right. And, and intimacy is the glue for a relationship, especially if there are challenges. It's what gets you past the, the challenges, the hurdles and, and doing things together as a team. And, it is not just a nice to have. It is actually a need to have because yes. we all seek, you know, we seek engagement on a, on a deeper level exactly. in order to have relationships. So we had a show previous to this, um, and today's show is an update on, um, I believe we called that one Making Love After having making war and today's show is going to be called love after war and we have two wonderful guests with us and if you'd like to follow along on the background of this you can either listen to the old show at a a, a previous at a um, convenient time or you can go to loveafterwar.org and and you see some more of the detail of what we will discuss today but this is a very real term and we are seeing a number of workshops, seminars, webinars, um, but I think there's nothing to replace people talking about it who are experts or those who have experienced it, or in our case, that plus someone who is right. helping to educate others. So, to some, tell a little bit about your background, and then we will introduce our two. Just let the show flow as it goes. Sure, I I think you know it's the stories. You know, those those personal stories are really what people can relate to. Um, you know, for me, 
you know, like I mentioned, my husband had um, my husband had, you know, when he deployed, he came back just he was just changed, and it was very. Um, it was very scary and it was hard and our relationship was just, it was in turmoil and it was really, it was really difficult. I mean, and as far as intimacy goes, I mean, it, there was a change, you know, um, you know, my husband, now we like to, to look at where we are now compared to where we've been. And we like to say, well, now it's, you know, it's a good thing because we are actually more intimate than we were in the very beginning. Um, however, you know, in the very beginning, it was extremely difficult. And, you know, that there was a huge lack of intimacy. And that caused a lot of strain in our marriage and a lot of strain in our relationship. And, and, and honestly, it was something that I mean, I, I didn't want to talk about it. You know, I, sh- I shared with you, Linda, that, you know, it's kind of <laughs> like, you know, you know, you see those monsters and you, you, you know, but you, you know, they're there, you acknowledge that they're there, but you just, you just put them in the closet, you know, you just stay in the closet. I'm not ready to deal with you <laughs> just yet. And you put it on the back burner, but you, you shouldn't put things like intimacy and, you know, love and belonging. I mean, that's important in marriages. It's important in relationships and it needs to be discuss it needs to be you know seen as a valuable need versus just you know an extra an an extra exactly and I think that that's what we're here to talk about today is that um, I think so few people really stop and think about what is intimacy and it, it really just means a deeper sense of connection and in being able to talk about things that are difficult to talk about you said you did not want to bring it up you didn't want to face the demons Um, I'll ask you a question. You can choose to answer or not. Was it because you didn't want to have that discussion yourself because having uh, a lot of doubts about what stage you were in with the transition of coming home? Or was it because it's such a touchy topic for so many people that touching it, talking about it, and and actually exposing it is a little vulnerable? Well, I think I think for me, it was just, who do you talk to? You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> who do you talk to about that? Um, you know, you, when you go to see, you know, the doctors and when I was going, it was, it was always usually um, as a caregiver aspect, you know, taking him to his appointments and they were concerned with, you know, pain management and, mm-hmm. you know, the, the meds that he was on and, you know, how can we treat his PTSD and his TBI, you know, those types of things that, you know, they don't, they don't really talk about, um, you know, any type of, you know, intimate needs, um, you know. But it's a quality of life issue. It is, but, you, you know, again, but who, no one's talking about it. You know, right. no one, no one's talking about it. No one's discussing it. Or I should say, no one was discussing it, but now. <laughs> <laughs> what a good thanks lead in. Yes, yes. Right. What, guess, you know. what a fabulous lead in. <laughs> so we have with us today, Dr. Mitch Tepper, who is a sexologist and a specialist in intimacy after war and transitions. And we also mm-hmm. have a film director, Mark Schoen, who is producing the Love After War series. And it's very interesting because it's important to see it, hear it, 
acknowledge the stories and, and really place the importance of intimacy into our to our experience of, of being afterwards. Another transition phase. Would you like to say more about that, Jasambra? Well, you know, I think a transition phase. I mean, there's there's so much there's so much that I've learned participating. Okay. At first I was really you know, and again, I didn't know about any of this stuff. And I was really intrigued when, you know, when Mitch was on, you know, the last show, I thought, wow, these are like real topics. And this is this is something that I do want to address and that I do need to address. And, you know, here's an opportunity. And so I talked to my husband first and said, hey, you know, I'm thinking about putting our life out there. You know, I mean, we're, we're going to I'm thinking about doing this. Are you OK with this? And um you know, and, and we were honest with each other and, you know, he said, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm okay with it. And, you know, um, really what he said was, whatever you want me to do, I'm going to do. And, and then I thought, well, do do I really want to do this? You know, (laughs) Mm -hmm. and I knew that it would help others because, you know, when, when other people get up and they're brave enough to share their stories, it is helpful, um, for others dealing with, with the same issues or similar issues. And, you know, and I wanted to, to share that. And, you know, I, I, you know, I said yes to Mitch and then I, I got really nervous and I thought, oh my God, you know, am I, am I prepared to, to face this, you know, because, you know, no one talks about it, you know, Mm -hmm. and am I really ready to talk about it, you know, to strangers and, and to share that, Um, you know, but my sisters told me, you know, use it as, look at it as a counseling you know, experience. Mm -hmm. So during the filming, you know, I just kind of treated that as just, okay, you know, it's, it's just counseling. It's just therapy. Let me just, you know, be truthful, be honest. And, and it sure was, yeah, I cried like a baby and that was just not, (laughs) not expected, but it was, it was good. It was therapeutic and it was, and, and it allowed my husband and I to, to see each other in a different light and it allowed us to be more intimate together and realize that, you know, intimacy, it's not just about, you know, having sex, you know, it, there's, there's the touch there. There's, I mean, there's just so much more to it. And I agree. Can, would you mind Ty, if I bring in our two guests before we go on break that. and then when we come back, we will all put it together. Taking a step backward, what Dosambra is talking about was working with these two gentlemen, Dr. Mitch Tepper and Mark Schoen, to bring couples together, to film them and their experiences, to be able to show others the importance of the value of sharing with others, to realize they're not alone and that it is a definitely deep part of life. So welcome to Military Network Radio. Mitch, welcome back. And Mark, welcome to Military Network Radio. Thank you. Thank you for having us. You're welcome. We have about a minute left. So Mitch, would you like to just give a quick synopsis for the break and we'll continue right after the break? Well, we're doing the Love After War documentary to tell stories like to Sombra and Casey's. Uh, we have uh, six couples lined up so far, four, four um, interviewed and two we're doing next month with all different disabilities, different combinations of folks who served um, that were together when they when one of them got injured or who were injured and got married later. So um, we want to tell these positive stories of people doing well to counteract a lot of what we hear about failed intimate relationships. And and they are they, they do, you know, 
costs, you know, implicated in suicide and divorce and intimate partner violence. Uh, but Mark and I, I think, like to give positive per, per, portrayals and and um, stories that people could learn from. Well, yeah. it, it's it's ideal. Mark, would you like to add something quickly? I was just going to say, you know, I've produced over 50 films during my career. This is the first time I've cried during interviews. Oh. And I need to stop you right there because we're going on break and we will come back to find out exactly what the depth of that emotion was. When you come back after this break, you're listening to Military Network Radio. We'll be right back. We're Military Network Radio, and we'll be right back after these short messages. Welcome to Toginet, radio with a cutting edge. It's Marching Network. I managed to run out of coffee again this morning. I didn't even have enough to make one cup. Boy, was that a miscabobble or big mistake. Because I make serious coffee. So strong it wakes up the neighbors. Now, I don't have a problem with caffeine. I have a problem without caffeine. I get wadgety and brickety. Did you know apples are more efficient than coffee for keeping people awake in the morning? Unfortunately, I didn't have any apples either. Acorns were used as a coffee substitute during the American Civil War. Without my hot cup of coffee in the morning, I'm feeling pretty squirrely myself. What do you call that piece of cardboard that wraps around your coffee cup to keep from burning your hand? A zarf. It's marching I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. Welcome back to Military Network Radio, serving the military, their families, and those who care about them. Together, we make a difference. Welcome back to Military Network Radio. Mark, I'm going to start with you. Right before the break, you said you have filmed over 50 films in your career, but that this is the only one that made you cry, made you emotional. What was it that tapped deep in within you that caused that? Well, I think it's here we have these young Americans who are serving their country, they're patriotic, they're brave, they're doing all the right things, and then they either have a physical injury or post-traumatic injury, uh, and they're not helped, and it affects the rest of their lives. And I thought we should be doing everything we could possibly do to help these people. And we're not, we're not doing it. And that just hit a nerve with me. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so I, is it fair to say that these stories moved you? <laughs> I'll say. <laughs> <laughs> Mitch, would you like to chime in? Uh, there's not usually a dry eye on the set. Um, so they, and, and I, you know, I have a, um, a six minute, uh, pilot at loveafterwar.org. And, you know, when I show that the 15 minute segment, this is of the first couple, um, Aaron and, and Kat, um, Casey, he has a, a blast injury. So he lost two legs. He lost some fingers. He lost a testicle and a third and he has a brain injury. And, and, you know, when I show the 15 minute piece, Afterwards, you know, I ask people like in groups, what did you feel? 
and and moved is is like one of the number one. But they also feel inspired. So although these stories are very painful, you know, um, people have gone through that and it comes out. I mean, Tassambra was very brave. Um, she really didn't hold anything back, and um, and it and and it and it touched us. But also, you know, you see them now. You know, twelve years after the the maybe the worst PTS, you know, experience, um, and and they're in such a loving relationship. And you hear from many of the people that we've interviewed. You know, our relationship was really stressed, like Aaron says, before I was blown up. You know, because he was on. EOD, he was out, you know, clearing bombs, you know, he right. knew he could die any moment. So, but once he got blown up, things slowed down in, in, in that way, obviously he was very busy and they were very busy together dealing with his injuries and, and cat trying to take, take care of everything. But, um, you know, they were able to actually reconnect afterwards. And, and you hear that really in, I think it really in your, your story to Sombra too, how, you know, this devastating thing, working through it, uh, right. has, has payoff at the end of the rainbow. You know, I, I think when we were lucky enough to, to see the 15 minute trailer and that was the first time that, that I had seen that and even seeing someone else's story. I mean, of course, you know, your own, but seeing someone else's story that you can relate to. Um, and I, I admit to getting nervous because she had commented and said, you know, we were married you know, for this long, but how she worded it, I, I thought that they weren't together anymore. And my heart started to break like, no, they didn't make it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's, it's so important to, to fight through that. And of course you, you're out there, you know, asking all these questions and interviewing so many different couples. Why do you think it's so important to really, to show that, to show the making it piece, you know, to show that the, the, the end story can be a positive one. Because I think when you're going through it, it could be so painful and you could feel like there's no hope and there's no reason to hold on. And there's a narrative uh, and I'm going to be kind of I know you served and men and women served, but there's this narrative that. He's not the same person or they're not the same person. And, you know, I know that's in the context of the new normal and we have to get used to changes. But I always like to say, no, it's the same person with different behaviors. I like to focus on the behaviors. And if that person was a good person like Casey was, and you, as terrible as some of the things you shared with us that he did in his right. worst moments, you saw some of what you you fell in love with and you held on to that and you fought for that, right? Versus yeah. saying, this guy is a lost cause. He's a threat to me and my family. I'm out of here, right? And so, right. and you know, I'm not here to, to judge anyone in, in the relationship that, you know, you were in, uh, because some people might feel unsafe and leave. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, we can't just write it off either. I mean, we, we could, but I mean, it's, it, it's, it's very personal, but I want those people who, who were in love and, and think they still love the person, uh, to, to see a pathway. Um, and you, you did it on your own. I mean, you, you recognize something in Casey and, and you sought out help. And, and I think, in each of the stories, uh, when when someone ro- watches these stories, they will they will get some some guidance in the road, you know, ahead to find a road forward instead of feeling like you know this is this is lost hope. So, right. I've got a question for you, um, Mitch. 
when and and to Sombra actually, when you are when you've made the decision that you are going to share this and and you are blessed enough to have a partner who's willing to do the same, is some of the reaction, the release, is it relief that this is now out on the table, that there's light being shown on this otherwise stuck in the corner topic and that there's progress being made? Well, I, I guess I'll go first if, if that's okay. I mean, for me, it was, you know, it it was a relief. I mean, I and I didn't expect to. I mean, because we did a radio show that morning, the day of I the know, filming. You were, <laughs> we were, you were. Um, you told me Casey was being filmed while you yeah. were my co-host. He was, and there were, and there was a lot that you know, a lot of his story that I missed. But then when I came out and I I heard him sharing it, it it was, it was interesting. You know, I I never, you know, I didn't hear that side, and. Um, you know, and, and of course he couldn't see me. So I, I like the fact that he couldn't see me. He didn't know that I was there uh, with him, with him sharing. But, you know, for me getting up there and sharing, I, it was as if, you know, with sharing some of the stories, it, when it came out, it was like, it was waiting forever mm. to just break through and just be told. So that way, you know, I didn't have to, I didn't have to to carry it, you know, I didn't have to hide it. I, it, you know, and it was, it was okay that we had gone through that. And, and for me, it was like, wow, you know, I, yeah, I'm okay. And people aren't going to look at him and think that, that he's a monster because he did these things, you know, while he was dealing with so many other things. And, you know, Mitch and Mark, you know, were great. The film crew, you know, was excellent, you know, just, just being there, um, to assure me that, Hey, it's, it's, it's okay. You know? And, and to me, it was, it, it was a relief. And, you know, after, like I said, after Casey and I, we, we sat and we talked and, you know, it was just kind of like, wow. I mean, when you, when you go through things and you deal with it, you, 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 you fight every day, (laughs) you know, for many years, you're used to, you know, um, dealing with problem after problem, if you have issue after issue, and, you know, trying to find your own strength, but, you know, you don't, you don't share any of that stuff. And then finally, when you get the opportunity to share it, and it's in the right form, and, and you know that it's going to be helpful. And really, I just had to think of nothing else, but just me and that story, like I was really reliving those moments when I was sharing and, you know, and I don't want to start crying now because I can think about it, but, mm-hmm. but it was just, you know, it's just really, you know, really, really good to, to share that. And I think it's great for people to see, you know, and understand you know, they're not the only ones. I was going to say, you know, we live in a culture where we're taught not to talk about intimacy, not mm-hmm. to talk about sex when everything is going well. So here we have people who've been traumatized physically and mentally, and we're asking them to talk about this. Mm -hmm. So it's counter to everything we've been taught. And people like Tassambra and Casey come forward (laughs) and tell these stories that we're not, I'm certainly not used to hearing. And (laughs) It just really tugs at my emotions. Mark, I have a question for you. Um, Clearly, it tugs at your emotions and would anyone, I would imagine, who have a heart. But 
as you were filming, I imagine that there was exceptional sensitivity by the crew to these stories and these participants. Was there anything you did differently? Well, um, I spoke to every crew member before the shoot and gave them, you know, I didn't know what to expect. I mean, I, I had an idea, but I, I knew it was going to be emotional. So we talked to all of them and I said, we're going to be talking about traumatic issues relating to sex and intimacy. And I just wanted, I wanted to make sure each of the crew members, the three crew members were comfortable with that. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, in previous productions, I don't have to have this kind of discussion with the crew. You know, we talk about lighting and audio. <laughs> we don't mm -hmm. talk about the intimacy of the interview. It sounds as though all things came together beautifully. Mitch, can you, we're about to go on another break. Can you sum up what you felt when you watched the first couple, then the second couple? As the progression goes on, are you learning new things um, or, or becoming curious about new issues that you would like to further explore? Absolutely. And, you know, we're doing very different couples, you know, very different injuries. Uh, so the next couple we have coming up, uh, um, she's deaf and blind, uh, secondary to experience a military sexual assault. Mm -hmm. um, so as we go along, um, like this film, when I when I imagine it, I imagine combat injuries, and I wasn't even thinking of military sexual trauma, but yet two of the women of the three women who who served experienced uh, military. Two of the two experienced military sexual trauma, and we have a third woman who's interested in being uh, on being telling her story. She had brain injury and was raped uh, in service, and mm. so you know I think Mark and I are both you know kind of like one of the upsetting thing is is that not only are people being hurt uh, by the enemy, but they're being hurt by you know other service their own. people. Yeah, their own, and and it's it's more common than one would think. Um, happens to men and women, and the devastation is is deep and, and very difficult. So I'm glad that you are including traumas such as that in your filming. Again, if you'd like to look at the trailer and find out more about both loveafterwar.org and on the film production aspect, there's a link on that page that can tell you more about the collaborative that's working on this together, because I think you can hear from this group that there is enormous compassion, um, a growing understanding, and a, an openness and accessibility for the veterans themselves and their partners to participate in something that is bigger than themselves. You know, I, I look on this as yet another way that those who serve continue to serve their compatriots. So we have a short break coming up and we will come back and we will talk more about the importance of intimacy and how injuries affect it. You're listening to Military Network Radio. We're talking to Dr. Mitch Tepper, Mark Schoen, and Tosombra Kimes. We're Military Network Radio and we'll be right back after these short messages. Radio 
Network presents the Diva Download with Tracy and Tasha. If you think Diva is all about attitude and drama, think again. The Diva Download is the premier online radio program where girls of all ages, shapes, sizes, and colors get together to redefine what it means to be a diva so that all girls can discover their inner diva and develop a healthy sense of self-worth and self-esteem. Being a true diva means you're diverse, involved, value-driven, and active. That's today's diva. If you want to celebrate the girl in your life through education, encouragement, empowerment, and entertainment, join us every week on Tuesdays from 6 to 7 p.m. Central Standard Time and celebrate the essence of being a girl only here on the WooHoo Radio Network. state would you guess has the fastest talkers? Recent research by analytics company MarchX revealed that the nation's fastest talkers come from Oregon, Minnesota, Massachusetts, Kansas, and Iowa. What about New York, you ask? New York ranked near the bottom at 38, but New Yorkers do use more words. A New Yorker will use 62% more words than someone from Iowa who have the same basic conversation. What's another word for fast talking? Tachylaya. America's slow-spoken or tardiloquent talkers were from North Carolina, Alabama, South Carolina, Louisiana, and Mississippi. What's a word for someone who likes to say the same thing over and over? A batologist. It's marching Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. Welcome back to Military Network Radio, serving the military, their families, and those who care about them. Together, we make a difference. Welcome back to Military Network Radio. We're talking with Dr. Mitch Tepper and Mark Schoen and Tosombra Kimes about love after war. And Talking about intimacy, um, I think that we've all heard stories where uh, people have come back, transitioning back into civilian life, and the emphasis is on A, survival, as Tosombra mentioned in earlier segments, but there's also emphasis on sex as an outlet, either too much, too often, or too little, uh, with very little connection between the partners. And and Mitch, I wonder if we could ask you to discuss the importance of intimacy in a relationship, because it's one of those things that is almost universal, whether you're military or civilian. Finding intimacy with another human being can be more rare than we think. You've, you've thrown around the, the magic word connected, and, and all my work is really about connectedness. And uh, you know, I did research in people with spinal cord injuries with no feeling and no movement, and I tried to understand you know how some people came to relearn and regain pleasure and orgasm. And, and the secret was, and it, this came through their words and qualitative research, is this triad of trust, safety, and connectedness. Mm-hmm. So you know, my 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 theory is that and it's not mine, but that we my belief underlying belief is that we all yearn for this special connection with somebody. And, and not just with our parents or our siblings, somebody who sees us and loves us, you know, as a whole being, as a whole being, we're sexual beings. So we want, you know, a sexual partner to to see us uh, totally. And and there's this envelope, this context of trust and safety that's important. So p- 
people uh, can be in relationship and they can have sex, plenty of sex, and still not feel connected. So, you know, I've worked with couples, they're, you know, on the way out the door for a divorce and one and, and she ends up married, you know, pregnant. So, you know, sex can can happen. I mean, animals have sex, you know, without without intimacy, but that could be an empty experience for for one or, or both. And so what we work to do is to help people, you know, understand each other deeply and really, you know, through other work I do, you know, we, we've um, helped uh, the, the VA incorporate the PEERS program, which is an acronym for Practical Applications of Intimate Relationship Skills. And, and we brought that curriculum, we helped them bring that curriculum into the VA. Uh, it's in their Warriors to Soulmate program because of its focus on the logic of emotions, mm-hmm. you know, and this importance of, of trust and safety and, and understanding people's triggers Right. And it becomes more important when people have other, you know, triggers that they're bringing home from 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 war and helping them to open up to these two things to be vulnerable, which is like the magic scary Mm -hmm. word. Mm -hmm. Uh, But, you know, as as I mentioned um, in this webinar that Tassamra took a part in uh, last week is that um, we can be with somebody and in love with somebody, but still feel alone or lonely. Mm -hmm when we have things that we are keeping secret that are so you know we're afraid that if we do reveal them that that you know people will label us a monster or inhuman uh, or cold or broken and so we don't share those with the ones we love most because we're most fearful of losing them right? right and so we hold those close and that creates a wall a distance right and so you know it's helping people to understand these underlying, you know, things that are, 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 are closing them off. So, you know, in, in peers, they talk about um, emotional openness and, and physical closeness, you know, so there's, there's two parts of the intimacy coin, you know, so when we talk about intimacy, you know, I don't use it. Sometimes I use it to mask sex uh, in publications because they won't let me use the word sex. But when I use when I when I talk about intimacy, I'm talking about emotional openness and physical closeness, you know, so that you could create a togetherness and a connectiveness. And this concept of connectedness, it has a neurobiological um, explanations too. So it's mm-hmm. not just you know I, I you know on another show I could get into the science of connectiveness, you know, looking at the vasal vagal theory and and other theories about how people are, are entrained and how people could be in tune to each other you know, on, on different levels, but it's, it, it, it comes down to helping people connect so that don't feel alone in the world disconnected. Cause that's when, you know, bad things happen. Mitch, you know, that that's so important. Connectedness is so important. And, you know, when I think going through it and looking back, you know, my husband and I, we weren't connected, you know, I mean, we were just kind of going through the numbers, checking the boxes, and, and I was just constantly holding on to hope that, you know, that, that, that there, there's a brighter future, you know, um, but we, we had, my husband, you know, he said it best, you know, he's like, yeah, we, we, we had sex a lot, but we weren't intimate at all, you know, and now we have a more intimate relationship, and, you know, and you had asked us, and when you guys were here, you saw it, you know, we have a massage table, you know, we, there, there is a lot of touch, I mean, there's a lot of um, intimacy there, and it's, it's really, 
it's really important. Um, and then sharing those stories, you know, you're right. You know, I just see even, even my personal experience and it's, you know, with the whole military sexual trauma, it's still a challenge to discuss certain things, but it does affect, you know, relationships. There are times where personally where, where my husband will, you know, will, will, will grope me or touch me. And, and of course, in a loving way, you know, he, he's my husband, you know, um, it should be playful. It should be fun, but you know, sometimes it could trigger me and I'm like, Oh, you know, don't touch me. You know, I, I think that, but I, I, I put those feelings and I, I just push them into the closet, but you know, but they do affect, you know, the relationship and, you know, just connecting is so, so important. Um, and I'm sure you've seen that with other stories and I'm, I'm interested to learning more with the, with the other couples that you have coming up with their stories. Um, are there any other stories that you can share in addition to, you know, um, well, outside of mine, not in addition, cause I don't want to keep talking about me, but, <laughs> but cause. Desambra, can I ask stories. you one question before you direct to Mitch? Sure. When a family becomes connected again after a period of disconnection was this visible to your children yes yes my and isn't that a wonderful side effect I mean I, I think that so often children are so intuitive and I, I imagine can you talk more about that sure well I mean as far as children when you know my my son our son he he was old enough to to experience all of this. I mean, our daughter, you know, she's 10 now. She came in when our relationship was a lot stronger. Um, you know, so she didn't really, you know, witness a lot. But my son, he sees, he sees a big difference. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and and you know, my husband's issues, you know, affected him, you know, um, you know, through throughout our marriage and, you know, for his childhood on up. But now he's a teenager and you know, and he does see that. And you know, and it allows for us to to show them strength in ways that we didn't realize that we were actually showing them some strength and showing them, you know, you know, we talk about teaching forgiveness. We talk about teaching, you know, um, you know, humility and, and, you know, what it means to really change, you know, to say that you're sorry. You know, everyone says, well, I'm sorry for making this mistake. Well, okay. Are you, are you really sorry enough to did you really mean that enough to change or are you just trying to use some some words and you're going to keep hurting me you know so for them to be able to see that and i'd love for in the future to get his take on it um you know to to hear that side from you know from from the child um growing up military i can i remember what my dad was like sometimes after deployments but you know but i think it's, it's different when it's your own, you know, it's different when it's your own child. But Mitch and Mark, you know, were there, were there any other stories with, um, I know they like the last story Their their baby is, you know, it's still little and. Well, I think the first interview I did, which really got to me was with this young man who out of high school joins the Marine. Marines and in a training drill, he's 18 or 19 years old. They're gassing them and the field catches on fire. 52 Marines are running for their lives. This guy sees one of his buddies had fallen. He turns back, goes into the flame, catches on fire, rescues his buddy, 
and he gets burnt, second and third degree burns over 80% of his body, including his face. And could you imagine being a 19 year old, having your face all scarred and dating? And I think Mitch said before, he went 10 to 12 years without going on a date. So, wow. yeah. And, and think, you know, that, that might be another thing, I think, because these stories are so real, you know, but they're also so, so, so painful, you know, um, you know, Mitch, I think it was you that said, you know, these stories are beautiful and painful and, yeah. and they are. And, and, you know, because of the painful aspect, a lot of, it's hard for people to, to, to see that, you know, it's, it's, it's a very bitter pill of reality, you know, to swallow, but, but it is a reality. And, you know, but there's, there's a beautiful aspect to that. You know, it, there's, there's a, you know, the fact that he went so long without, I mean, I, I can't imagine, you know, with, without that connection. And one of the things he said was he would see a woman he was attracted to and he wouldn't even approach her because he would felt he would be rejected because of his face. Oh my goodness. And then to think, you know, putting that with, I know with my husband, when he came back, you know, he shared that he felt like, I, how could I accept him, you know, because of the things that he'd done, if I would have known, you know, the things that he really, you know, the people he killed, you know, the, the, the situations that he was put into, I mean, mm-hmm. you know, just injuries really do affect everything. Yeah. So I just like to make a point that, you know, it happens that each of the couples that were interviewed so far and will interview coming up um, are married, but that wasn't a prerequisite to being the film. And, you know, Manny, who um, Mark was just talking about, the Marine who was burned. Yeah, he went he went 14 years. Uh, and another um, one of our uh, paratroopers, Tyler Wilson, you know, he did meet somebody. He had spinal cord injury and he did meet someone in rehab, but he basically got dumped because of his chair. And he had that experience again and then went 10 years, you know, till he met his now wife, um, Crystal, uh, in a in a recreational sport activity. So although, you know, so far we're portraying people are in, in marriages, um, the, the stories, you know, began uh, with people Mitch, who felt they couldn't. I'm so sorry. Her. We have to stop. We have to go on a break at this point. You're listening to Military Network Radio. We'll be right back. We're Military Network Radio, and we'll be right back after these short messages. If you're ready for a big change in your work, your career, your happiness, your life, it's time for the Million Dollar Mindset with Marla Tabaka. Monday afternoons at 2, 1 central on Toginet.com. Marla believes that with the right mindset, anything is possible. Join us as successful life coach Marla Tabaka inspires you and her clients to explore, discover, and live your dreams by developing what she calls the Million Dollar Mindset. Marla will inspire you to take action on your dreams and reveal secrets to success that will help you realize your own unique power. Tune into the Million Dollar Mindset for heartwarming stories with Marla Tabaka. Learn tips and tricks to building a successful business and unlock the secrets to creating a happier, more balanced life through abundant thinking and attraction 
Power. For more information on the Million Dollar Mindset, go to our website, MarlaTabaka.com. That's M-A-R-L-A-T-A-B-A-K-A.com. It's the Million Dollar Mindset with Marla Tabaka. Monday afternoons at 2, 1 p.m. Central on Toginet.com. notice you buy more groceries when you use a large shopping cart. The shopping cart, or trolley as it was originally called, was invented in 1937 by Sylvan Goldman, owner of two Oklahoma City grocery stores. Back then, shoppers carried their food in wicker baskets. One day, Goldman was observing his customers and realized that as soon as their baskets were full or too heavy on their arm, people stopped shopping. Goldman thought if we could somehow give customers two baskets, we could do considerably more business. What's another word for a resourceful person? A debrouillard. Goldman put wheels on some folding chairs, attached two baskets to the seat, and let the back of the chair act as a handle so the cart could be pushed with one hand. What do you call anything that can be manipulated with one hand? A thumbadoodle. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. Welcome back to Military Network Radio, serving the military, their families, and those who care about them. Together, we make a difference. Welcome back to Military Network Radio. You know, I I think a, a recurring theme through all of this is that intimacy is so valuable, so vital to to life, and that it is important that we all recognize that it's so easy to tuck it away and say, "Ah, we'll get to that. You know, we are having sex. That's fine. Um, But intimacy is so much more than that. When you are working with those who are disabled, which is a large group, whether it's visible or invisible within our military, how is it you, how is it that we can shift the thinking, you know, seriously shifted from being the the man with the burns to feeling the self-value that he still has a great deal to add in relationships and to other people's lives. How do you turn burns and wheelchairs into sexy again and, and have them truly believe that? That's a challenge. Can you address that? For the person who is burned or in a chair, or for the people outside uh, yes who are, yes. are looking. All right. So I mean, and part of my in my work when I'm doing counseling or coaching, you know, I help uh, folks either with the dating process or you know, tr- converting a bait. Uh, I'm just going to say helping people get out of the friend zone. You know, so first, you know, people with disabilities, if they're out there and and in, in the community and and engaging, uh, people may, you know, look at them and say, wow, you know, like, wow, you're, you're doing really great, you know, when we're just going about our lives and kind of give a halo effect, but they look at this person as a nice person, not a sexual person. So if that person with the disability creates a connection, um, they have to, one, learn to kind of communicate that uh, more directly because their potential partner may, may miss that. Right. But they also have to have the confidence to know that they are a sexual person, that they have value, because what we see around us is that, you know, uh, people with disabilities aren't 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 valued and they're not seen as as sexual people. You know, and and when we're out and about and we're doing something that's that's useful, then we get a lot of extra, you know, accolades. But um, still, that doesn't translate into the into the sexual area. 
uh, for the person with without a disability. I mean, you know, get to know people. And when we're choosing, you know, our potential partners, let's look a little deeper than than the skin. I mean, I don't mean to be cliche, but, you know, I know some very beautiful, you know, people that that look different uh, either in their bodies or in their their appearance, uh, but their souls and their hearts and their, you know, what they have to share right. uh, is is just, you know, priceless. And Mitch, for for some that that are are that don't know your story personally, I know you yourself, you know, are in a wheelchair. Do you want to provide a little, just a little brief feedback on that, so that? Sure. I mean, I grew up with Crohn's disease, which is a chronic condition, so that was invisible. So no one knew when I was in in pain and had cramps and diarrheas. But then then I broke my neck, uh, secondary to a diving accident while working as a lifeguard, and I was twenty years old. So that was a huge change in this the division in your life of before injury and after and you know before you know if I weren't in this chair I would have been able to get her you know now now I can't it's because of the chair so helping people that acquired a a disability let go of what used to be and kind of move forward is, is so important so I felt you know I was in situations after I broke my neck where I was in the friend zone and if it weren't for my disability, you know, I would have been someplace else. Uh, um, so I had to kind of, I actually directly, I remember confronting someone I liked a lot who I asked her to dance and, and she said, no, I'm tired. It was, I was at college and we were at a table and someone came up moments after and said, will you dance? And she said, sure. And she came back. I actually confronted her because I really kind of, you know, <laughs> felt deeply about it. And I'm like, you know, why did you tell me, you know, you, you were too tired? And she was, well, I owed him. So I'm, I, I was, getting bold already because I, you know, I'm not one to just uh, lay back and, you know, put my head between my legs, you know, it's, right. just, it's not in my nature. Uh, so I, I kind of took this, you know, more, more seriously or more, more, I was more assertive probably than a lot of people. I think it's, I think it's important, you know, to share your own experience and stuff and, and, and then it helps to, you know, you know, yeah. t- to see, you know, even know. on the on the sexual function side, you know, I didn't understand why my body was working the way it was, mm-hmm. uh, and so I just went totally into research, both personal experiences, trying to get as much sexual experience as I can, whether it was from nurses or or, or you know friends of my roommates in in uh, in the hospital, uh, and and reading uh, because I just wasn't ready to accept, you know, that I was going to have these losses permanently, so. You know, I, th- I think what you're bringing up is very important. Um, self-confidence, uh, growth, post-traumatic growth, I'll call it, uh, afterwards, uh, after injury, whether it's sudden or combat-related. Um, I think that people have challenges dating when they're typical, whole, um, no discernible injuries. But what you're bringing up are, are things that are much more challenging for others. Mark, let me bring you back into this. As you are watching this and as you're filming the group, um, are you seeking more uh, couples to participate? Uh, is there further areas that you wish to explore? Yes. Well, we want to have very diverse people in this film. And uh, the couples we have are all heterosexual. I had one gay couple who lives right by me, and the fellow was a combat photographer. Mm-hmm. 
And I spoke to him and his partner and said, we'd really love you to be in this film. And he said, I can't. He said, I can't talk about it. He said, I'm in the middle of combat, seeing some of the most horrible things I've ever seen in my life. And they're telling me to take pictures. Mm. And he said, I can't talk about it. So, you know, we would have loved to have them on camera, but I understand why they can't. So, you know, if there's someone who feels they could talk about things like this, we'd love to have them. Okay, and other couples as well, heterosexual or homosexual? Yeah, yeah, okay. gay, lesbian, transgender. We, we want diversity. Okay, and, and that, um, again, the information is on the website loveafterwar.org and the uh, link to the film collaborative is there as well. Tassambra, what was the most remarkable thing that came out of your participation in this project? For me, I think it was, my, you know, a personal thing in my own relationship. You know, I felt very much closer, you know, to my husband, um, hearing him express things that he wouldn't share with me before, you know, and he, and he didn't share. And, and it's, it's funny because, you know, I'm prior service. And so while he was deployed, I was still active duty. And, you know, there, there's a lot that, you know, he either doesn't recall sharing um, or he just never shared. And, but hearing him express, you know, the, his pain and express his thought process really was, um, was eye-opening to me and, you know, being able to, to participate in, in, you know, in this filming and this love after war project. I mean, you know, I, I, you know, Mitch and Mark gave me a, a, a t-shirt. They gave Casey and I a t-shirt <laughs> that says, you know, love <laughs> after war. And I do, you know, I, I, I wear it kind of proudly thinking, yeah, you know what, we, we made it, we made it through the fire. You know, we, we are in love, you know, after the war, not, not after the physical war of, of serving, you know, overseas and, and fighting for our country, but the war of fighting for our marriage, you know, you know, mm -hmm. that was uh, that the bigger, the biggest war. And so, you know, the end result for me, you know, the, the most thing, the positive, positive thing is just knowing that our relationship is, is stronger and, um, you know, knowing that we're okay, you know, and mm -hmm. I, I just hope that that it helps other people, you know, <laughs> that that's, that's what we want. That's why we did this to share that it, that it will help others, you know, to grow and, and not give up. You know, and that's just what I was going to say by Tassambra and Casey coming forward and telling these difficult stories. I think it will help other couples and relate I'd like to their story and help them come together. I'd like yeah. to say just I'd just like to say a word about how important Tassambra and Casey's story is. Each story that we do is very important, but. You know, in, in one case, there's a spinal cord injury, so that's very visible. He's in the chair. In another, the burns are very visible, right? And so, um, in and in, in another case, there's a you know multiple limb loss, so that's very visible. To Sombra and Casey, now Casey is just like the the energizer buddy. I mean, he's been blown up so many times. <laughs> if you you know, right. the interview went on so long because of so many injuries between the 
PTSD and the brain injury and hearing loss and, you know, cervical injuries, spinal injuries, um, but none of it visible. And, and to Sombra's, you know, experience is not visible. Uh, and so, and the, you know, I, I would imagine that the PTS uh, D is, um, I, I stall on the D, you know, post-traumatic stress, or you want to call it post-traumatic <laughs> stress disorder. Uh, that's why I'm, I'm I, I, that's why I'm stumbling. But um, that, you know, you're looking at a couple that we have some very beautiful pictures, Mark took some stills. Uh, that's um, well, what's wrong with these people. And and you hear, you know, Casey speak, he speaks beautifully. And it's like, you know, does he have a brain injury? It doesn't look like it. He looks fine. Um, so they're more representative than of the hundreds of thousands of people who are coming back, you know, with PTSD uh, or, or brain injury, right? So okay. everybody, I mean, I have a disability. The disability is sexy. You know, you see the chair, you see the blown up limbs, you see the the, the scars, right? And right. you think about this population. I'm here to make everybody think about the greater population because that's where, you know, the and, and the people with the, the physical disabilities will tell you too that some of the intimacy issues that we're talking about, the emotional open, openness and being close are, are more challenging than some of the physical aspects. You bring up a very good point that I think so many do not understand. The invisible injuries don't just disappear over a period of time, and they can compound if they're not addressed. I want to thank you all for sharing this very, very important topic today. Tazambra, thank you for sharing your story. Mitch, thank you for doing this project. And thank you for filming this so that people can see and hear the experiences of others realize that they are not alone. And if this touched you in any way and you would like to participate in this project, please go to loveafterwar.org and volunteer because this can help so many. Thank you for listening today. We'll talk to you next week. Thank you for tuning in today to Military Network Radio. You can find our show at our website, www.toginet.com forward slash Military Network Radio. Also, www.militarynetworkradio.com and in iTunes under Military Network Radio. Join us next week when we bring you another program to enhance your